Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jamar. Today's episode 142, and we're interviewing Alexis T. How are you doing this morning, Alexis? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be doing this with you. So let's get started here. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your childhood and growing up? Okay. Um, growing up, it was just me and my mom, my sister. Uh, I didn't really have many friends. I was kind of lonely. I was a, I was a, I was a quirky kid. I, I would read a lot and be by myself. And um, my mom, she worked a lot. So I always made a joke that my mom was my dad and my sister was my mom, which is like, it's funny, but now thinking about it, it's kind of, it's kind of messed up. <laughs> um, I was good in school, but I didn't really apply myself that much. Um, yeah. So why didn't you apply yourself? Well, because I really didn't think anybody cared that much. You know, um, my mom, like, if I wanted to do an activity or something like be in a play or do choir, she wouldn't come to, uh, she wouldn't come to my concerts or my performances or anything. And uh, if I got, like, an honor roll award certificate she wouldn't come to those like ceremonies either so i was just like well then you know what's the point she had a good reason you know because she was working she would she would by the time i was in school she was just getting off of work so she was tired you know and um so you know i'm not super mad at her about it but as a kid i was really mad about it because i just you know i felt like i wasn't important to her like that and um, my dad lived in Philadelphia, and uh, he he would never he like now I live with him, so it's fun. But back then, he really wouldn't try to come see me or anything. So it's just like nobody in my in my little kid brain, nobody cared. So understood. Mm-hmm. So you did good in school. You said you got the honor roll. I mean, I did sometimes, but after about fourth grade, I just stopped caring. I um I failed eighth grade, I didn't graduate. Um, especially middle school was hard, like for me, because that's when I really started to uh, uh, divulge in um self-destructive behaviors, and um, so yeah, sorry. <laughs> What are you sorry for? What kind of... I feel... No, you go. Go ahead. Oh, because I, I feel like I was trying to be prepared before. That's why I watched the podcast myself, but I was thinking of my answers and now I'm trying to do it and I'm like stuttering and stuff. No, take your time with it. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of self-destructive behaviors are you talking about? <clears throat> well, when I was like in seventh grade, I started cutting and then um, 
I feel like that's also when I started to really take substances because my stepdad at the time, he was an alcoholic and I, I would drink his vodka too. And he had like muscle relaxers and I would take them and be like, like sleeping all day, you know? How far back do you remember him being an alcoholic? Like, you know, tell us about stuff like that. When I first met him, like my, they weren't together that long. They were only together for three years. But I met him in seventh grade and um, they met at a bar. She didn't really realize that he was an alcoholic at the time. She just thought that, you know, we go to the bar all the time. But when we moved in with him, that's when it became more obvious, you know, and he was, he was like, he was um, an explosive drunk, I suppose. Like some, some nights he would get drunk and just be really cool and like be nice and stuff and like talk with me. But sometimes he would just get drunk and like scream and yell and like hit my mom and everything. So yeah, there was an incident one time when, uh, well, this is the last time that he did that, but I was taking a shower and I came out of the shower and their door was closed and they hadn't, they, they hadn't been like happy with each other for a while. So I don't know why the door was closed and I opened the door and he's over there like strangling my mom and he like pulled her hair and stuff and like, it was like all bad. So I had to call the cops on them. Yeah. He was cool though. Like he had he had his moments. I feel like everybody when you when you live like that, when you have an addiction, there's there has to be something from your past that's triggered it. And he would talk about his life a lot and how hard it was for him. So I have empathy for him, but at the same time I still am mad at him for making me see those things. What other kind of things would he do? Um, like, he would yell at me, too. There was, when I was younger, I always had this dream of going to New York. And I was telling him about it. I was like, oh, I'm going to go to New York and be a journalist. And he was like, by the time you're 17, you're going to be barefoot and pregnant. And I was like, wow, geez, thanks. And um, he was like, he, he was really, he was just really, like, not depressed, I want to say. He was just really, like, melancholic, like. It was his birthday one time and I was talking to him about it and then he was just like, you know, he just didn't care. Um, he, he did put his hands on me one time, but it's because he was, he was strangling, my, he was like choking my mom out and he was doing it in front of my niece and I didn't appreciate that. So my little 14 year old brain was just like, okay, well, let's, uh, you know, let's be defensive. So I, I got a knife out and I was just like, you need to stop. And then he started choking me and it was all bad. But, um. He would he would be he would go out in the in the front lawn and just like scream. Um, one time, my mom and me were trying to get away from him, and he cut he cut our like her seatbelt so she couldn't drive away. And then like some dude was walking down the street, and he saw us, and he was like trying to get him to stop. And then he pulled his he, my stepdad pulled a gun on him, so then he had to go to court for that. But yeah, and then he would try to make up for it by buying me things. Like, one time he bought me a phone. He would take me to Sonic a lot. Um, he would give me just money just to go shopping. Like, you know, he'd feel bad, I guess, about it. But I don't know. I'm not materialistic like that. So it didn't really do anything for me. So do you feel that affected you? 
I always say that it did it didn't you know but it's just like mm -hmm. I can't deny that it like that it did you know because I mean it's like I really don't trust men like you know I don't trust men because of him and my uncle and my daddy too you know because I just feel like they have a uh, in my life they have just been sometimes disappointing I mean everybody can be disappointing at times but um, but yeah, I think it has affected me because if I see certain traits that people have that remind me of him, I'll stay away from them. Yeah. So, and yeah, I guess, I guess just seeing how my mom went through that was hard too. And I would have nightmares at that time, like really bad nightmares. And sometimes I still have nightmares, not about him, just about situations that are like scary, I suppose. So maybe. Maybe it has affected me somehow. What kind of nightmares do you have? You said that are, are well, more well, specific. Yeah, when I first, when I first uh, got into recovery, I would have like really bad, like just like scary nightmares. Like I had this nightmare one time that these children were trying to sacrifice me to a spider, <laughs> and I had uh, I would have sleep paralysis. So there was this figure that would just stare at me in my bed. Sometimes it would be my ex. Sometimes it would be me looking at myself. Um, I would have dreams where I'm just like choking, like I'm not breathing. And then I would wake up like, you know, I, like acting like I couldn't, like I was like, you know, not breathing. Um, I, I, I've had dreams too about like being raped or being kidnapped. I've never had a dream where I died, which is good. I have a lot of dreams about demons. I had a dream one time that um, there was like these like dead people and their eyes were like cut out and they were like all just staring at me and telling me I think that it was coming, which is weird because that happened like probably like three weeks before my mom died. So it's like kind of like, oh man, what if that was like a, like a you know, like a, a prediction? You know, like that death was near or something. So. How old were you when your mom died? She died in December, December of 2021. Okay, so it was recent. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, that was hard to deal with. She died of COPD. Um, and it's hard, too, because I think about the last times, like the last month she, the last year she had with me, I was in heavy active addiction, you know, and she kept trying to help me, but I was like, I would just, you know, there was this time where I went to the hospital because I was in psychosis, I think. And when I got out of the hospital, she was just like, please just stay home tonight. And I like told her, no, I was like, no, I'm going out. Like I'm leaving. Like, that's it. It's like, it's going to happen. And she just looked so defeated. She looked so sad. And yeah. The last time I saw her, I was high, but I don't think she knew. I went over to her house and I gave her bacon and ice and soda and cigarettes. And I asked her if um if she was lonely. She said, yeah, that she that she is. And she's never said that before. She's before I would ask for that and she'd be like, no, I have myself. What would I be lonely for? But this time she said, yeah, she was. And then we hugged twice, which was different because I never hugged people, you know. But 
Yeah. And when she passed, um, that's when I really got into addiction to like really bad into it. I was like, I started uh, injecting at that time. Well, let's go back before that. When was the first time you ever used anything? The first time I ever used anything well, it was probably when I was taking those muscle relaxers that I, used, that I used to find. But then the first time I smoked weed, I was 14. The first time I did coke, I was 18. Who did you first, first do when you let's go back to weed? Who was the first person you smoked weed with? Um, it was a friend of mine who was technically my ex at the time, but uh, I asked him because, like, in middle school, people would always ask me, like, "Do you smoke?" And I'd be like, "No, I, I would never do that. That's that's not good." But then um, I was like, I was sad during that summer, so I hit him up and I was just like, "Do you still smoke?" And he was like, "Yeah," and I was like, "We should smoke." And he was like, "Okay." So I went over to his house and we smoked a joint. And then I was like, what the heck? I was high. <laughs> and then, I mean, it was like, you know, it's whatever. I, I did have a problem with weed in high school, though. Like, I would smoke every day, all day. Like, in the minute, no, nah, I'd wake up, get ready for school, then I'd smoke. Come home, smoke. And then every two hours, I'd smoke. And then that's also when I started, like, meeting people online. Like, I'd meet, like, random strangers online. And I'd be like, do you have weed? And they'd be like, yeah. And then I'd hang out with them and like we would do things and I would just get high. So that's another bad habit that started. Um, but the first time I did coke at 18, it was 4th of July and my friend's boyfriend was selling it and he had his own personal bag. And he's like, do you want to try it? And I was like, sure. So I tried it and at first it was like, that's it, you know, but then you do more and you're just like, oh, I see, you know, and then the first time I did meth, I was 19, and it was like right before COVID started too, it was really weird, no, I was probably 20 then, and um, I went over to these people, to this, uh, this guy's house, and his girlfriend was there, and she said that she's not gonna like, she's not gonna have a good time if I don't smoke, and I thought they were talking about weed, so I was just like, oh, I smoke, and then they were just like, no, we don't, we don't smoke that. We're talking about, you know, math. And I was just like, oh. So I tried it then. And honestly, it was a really scary experience. I don't know why I continued to go down that road. But it was also like, I guess I liked how I didn't sleep. I liked how I, could, I was like, I couldn't eat. Like, my mom made dinner the night, the night, like, the next night. And I tried to eat it, and I couldn't, I couldn't swallow it, like, at all. And, but also, too, it just gave me this, like, energy that I never had before um because you know from like from from as long as I can remember honestly I was I was depressed I was always sad I was always tired and then I was anxious I could never talk to people I was always angry so when I did when I did math I was just like I'm so tripper right now like I was like I can talk to anybody like I can do anything so do you mind if I hit my vape? No, not at all. Okay, cool. Vape away. We're just chilling. Hmm. Yeah. So tell me more about what you were like during active addiction. <clears throat> so, I mean, man, I was, I was a tornado. Like, oh my gosh. There'd be days where I would just be cool and I'd be fine, you know, but 
then there'd be days where I would just be explosive, like explosively mad, explosively sad. I like um I couldn't hold down a job because I didn't like that I was doing it. I would always say, Oh, okay, I'm gonna quit this time. And then when I would uh, try to quit, I'd be tired, so I wouldn't go to work. So I lost plenty of jobs that time. Like in 2020 20 to 2021, I had like nine jobs in one year. And there were good jobs too. Um I was living with my ex at the time and he didn't do it. But like we got into an argument one time. He was just like, I really don't want you to do this. I really would prefer if you would stop. And I just told him, like, no, I'm not going to stop. You can't tell me what to do. Which is, like, kind of messed up. Um, I wasn't mean. No, nah, I was mean. I was mean. Yeah. Because I had no filter. If I was upset, I would just be like, this is how I feel. Because that's how I am when I'm sober. If I'm upset about something, I do feel like it's valid. So you should hear how I feel. I'll hear how you feel. But you have to understand that we have to come to some kind of like conclusion together. But that like the like the rationale like that was not there when I was high. Um, like there there would be times where I was upset about things that were valid, but the way how I was going about it was really bad, and I was really impulsive. I mean, I'm still like like impulsivity is like one of my worst traits, but it was really bad then. Like, um, I I like. I damaged my ex's car and it was his grandma's car. Like, oh God, I'm, I still feel terrible about that. How did you damage it? So I was my day off of work and my boyfriend had to go to work. And I asked him, I said, can I take your car to go to the mall? And he was like, yeah, that's fine. But he thought I was just going to go to the mall, like just go. But I had planned to go to the mall because I wanted to uh, pick up. So I went to the mall and I parked at this diagonal parking and I was there for like an hour. But then when I left, there was some, there was a truck parked right next to me. I don't know if I maybe was too close to the line or if he was too close to me or if I'm just really a bad driver. But when I pulled out, I hit the, the truck next to me. And instead of stopping and maybe backing up and like getting out now, I just kept going. <sighs> so now it's like a big, there's a really big dent on the left side of the car. Yeah. To this day, he'll he'll still talk about it. Like he'll be like, and you still haven't helped me fix the car. And I just like, hate it because I'm just like, I did promise him that I will help him fix it, and I I I really want to help him. I, mean, I don't know about now. I make ten dollars an hour. I don't know how well that's gonna go, but maybe y'all can do payment plans or something. I just feel really bad, and I want to make amends with that. But um, yeah, I would uh we would fight a lot. But we were, I, and then when I, when, so I had tried to move to Arizona from California. I went to uh, Arizona to try to live with my mom and get clean again. But then that's actually when it got worse. And I would tell people that I was like using with, I would tell them that's why I moved out here. And they'd be like, why would you come to Tucson of all places to get clean from that? Like little did I know it's actually a really big hotspot there. So that's where, I, that's when I started injecting. And that's when I really got mean. You know, there was this time where, because my ex, he wasn't talking to me because of my addiction. And I he blocked me everywhere, Facebook, my number. He even blocked my email. <laughs> and I was, like, trying to use my niece's phone to FaceTime him. And she wouldn't let me do it because it's her phone. And I, like, blew up on her. And it's so sad because she's she's only she was only, like, 10. 
you know i apologized to that for her later and she cried about it when i apologized which is you know but i was just like oh come on like i'm your aunt you had to do things for me like all i had to do is just call him real quick and she was just like she, she went in her door she went over and locked the door she's kind of sad yeah i was just like and i had like a devil may care attitude like i didn't care like i would do too much and i would know that i might oh that's not good like your arms feeling numb buddy or your everything's dizzy like that's not good and i would just like not care and then um when when my mom had passed i was like i stopped and I stopped for a whole month, which is the longest I had gone at that time. But then when I had like relapsed, um, my ex, because we were living together in Arizona at that time too, he was like mad. Um, and the, what I had was laced with fentanyl. So I was trying to stop again. And I was like in my sleep, like shivering. And he like got really mad and he woke me up and he was just like, I can't sleep. Like you need to get out of the bed. So I went to the living room and I was like crying my eyes out. I was just like, dude, I just want to, I just want to, I just want to go away. Like I want to pass, I want to pass away. Because I felt like, I was like, how could I have been so weak to have relapsed again and then gotten stuck in it again? You know what I mean? And then um, I would like, my arm, my arm's all messed up now. I have a little knot in my vein because I would keep trying to hit myself and I could never do it. And then I had a I had a nice job out there. What do you I was, <clears throat> real quick? What do you mean hit yourself? Shoot shoot up? Yeah. Okay. I could I could never do it. Like I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm scared. I was scared of the needle, or what? Because I was I was fine. Like other when other people did it, like I would you know it's whatever. But when I tried to do it, it would just like be frustrating. I'd be there for an hour. Like can't can't even just like poke it in. Like, or if I did poke it in, I couldn't register it. And it's just like, and I had, that's the kind of nightmares I have now. Like, if I, like, when I, if, if I do have nightmares, that's what it's about. It's about needles filled with blood or needles, like, just me trying to shoot myself or something, you know? At what age did your addiction get full, like, full-blown really bad? So I started in March of 2020. And I, it got really bad of, uh, in October of 2020, I met this guy and, um, he was just giving it to me for free. Like, at, like before I met him, I would just like try to find some, somebody who did it. And then, you know, but then I met him and we hit it off. We, you know, we, we were friends, I suppose, but he always had like a lot and I'd go over and we would watch euphoria and he would just like give me like an eight like an eighth you know and he would buy me my pipes and everything and I would go home and I would just use all night use all day and then that's when it really started to be like a daily everyday thing um and then after we because he I was which is pretty good I, I was like I don't want to cheat on my boyfriend but I mean it was like kind of emotional cheating it had to be but um when I told him I was because he wanted he wanted me to leave my boyfriend to be with him I was like, I'm not doing that. So when it got to a point where I was just like, okay, like you're, you know, you're not, you're not good for me. I could tell that he was obviously trying to make my addiction worse, where I could cling to him more. 
because I'm not stupid. You know what I mean? I knew what he was doing. So I just like told him, I was like, I don't want to see you anymore. But I was able to find another connect. So, but then um, December of 2020, that's when I was just like, like forget it. Like I'm just gonna be an addict now. I'm, I'm you know, I, I do nothing now. Yeah, I was just like doing it like in the morning. I would sleep too, and that's how I know. Well, from what I've read, that's how I know that you're actually in like full blown addiction because if you can still get three hours of sleep and you wake up and you still use it then yeah you know you're probably you know your body's used to it now so but then um when I was 22 my 22nd birthday that's when I that's when I that's when I really not I didn't hit my rock bottom I suppose but it did get pretty bad because that's when I started shooting um and once, once I started shooting, I didn't even want to smoke anymore. Like, I was like, the only way how to do it is that way. So, yeah, 22 was probably around that time. And I'm 22 now. So, I'll be 23 in September. So, tell us about how you recovered. So, my, you know, I don't want to be one of those people, but my ex really was a big motivation for me. Because I loved, I love him a lot. I still love him. But I knew that the relationship couldn't work like that. So I kept trying, kept trying, but, you know, nothing worked. And then I joined this recovery uh, group. Um, God, what was it called? I think it was called, like, therapy, therapy something. I don't know. It was really cool, though, because every time I completed a little task, they would give me, like, $5. And, um, or, like, you know, it was, it was, like, 75 cents or something. So, I, you know. You do like the morning tasks where you just make sure, you know, you make, you make your pledge or you journal or you show like a sober activity you can do uh, instead of using, you know, and it was fun. And I had, I would see my counselor once a week and I would do group meetings also once a week. So I was doing two like therapy sessions and every time um, we do therapy session, they would give us like $5 for that. And then um, they would also drug test you. So if you pass the drug test, you get $10. So, you know, it was a little bit motivator to get the money. But um, it, it actually really helped because it was nice to talk to other people who understood because I, I, I have gone to meetings before, but I liked to talk to other meth addicts because I felt like they got it. And they were all different too. Like some of them were kind of down and out and some of them were kind of a little bit, you know, like not like that, I suppose. Like, not what you imagine when you think of a meth addict, you know? And I feel like that's what I kind of, like, looks like. Because even, like, to this day, people still tell me, like, wow, I can't, you don't even look like the type that would do that. And I'm like, well, I was, so. But, um, so I was still using when I was in the, the program, but I was still trying. Every week I would try. It'd be, like, we would do our group meetings, and then I'd come back, and then I would tell them, like, oh, yeah, guys, I'm two days clean. And then I'd come back, and I'd be like, all right, guys, I relapsed. But then what happened was I met this guy and that was really bad too because that's actually when I did cheat on my boyfriend. But it was because he was giving, I, w I was trying to buy from him first. I was like, I'll buy from you. But then he found out that I, I, I uh, inject and then he found out that I can't do it. So he started injecting me. Like he would come over and we'd hang out in his truck and he would, he would hit me and then that would be it. But then he started giving me free you know, free sacks, and we would talk, like, we would actually talk about things, and, um, 
he would talk about my mom and we talk about my relationship and I felt like he understood me but I don't know that was kind of a dumb mistake because it's like evidently he was also trying to manipulate me um but yeah there was this time that we he took me to like the mountains and like, the, in the desert it was like, kind of scary and I was like I'm I'm not from Tucson so I don't know how to get home and he took me there and he's telling me he's like yeah you know if you got left here like if if you just like you know if I just drove away right now you'd most likely get eaten by a mountain lion and I was like what the heck so he was just like um he he wanted to you know he wanted to have sex and I was like kind of like I've always had a problem saying no but I was kind of like trying to say no but then he was just oh come on he's just like I always come out here and I waste my gas to see you and I give you free stuff and that's not fair. So I was like, whatever then. So I uh, I fell under pressure and then we did it and he gave me an SUV. So then I ended up giving my boyfriend that SUV. And then when he found out, he was just like, no, like, I don't want to be with you anymore. So, and, and then um, I went to the hospital again because we, we got into a fight because he was just saying, like, you know, ever since we've gotten into this addiction, you've been putting me through hell. And I was just like, I've been putting everybody through hell. I was like, my sister doesn't talk to me. Well, last year, how my mom, she saw me as an addict. And it's like, I'm disappointing my dad because I started talking to my dad more and he knew about it. And he was just like, oh my God, like, what the heck? So I was just like, you know, I was like, I'm disappointing everybody. I'm disappointing myself too. Like, I don't like that I do this. I don't like that I feel the need to do this every day. So I, then I tried to, uh, I tried to, you know, commit suicide. And then when I was in the hospital, they gave me this shot of uh, not Chuxon or something. I forgot what it was, but they gave me a shot that helped stop the cravings. And boy, man, I, I that really helps. Like for real, like I, I because I had the motivation. It wasn't that I didn't. It wasn't that I wanted to continue using. I hated that I was using, but the cravings were what got to me. Like for real. So to be able to get that shot and not have the cravings, that really helps. Like. I was finally able to get out of it. So the last week I spent with my ex, it was just me sober and it felt really good, but we broke up anyway. But um, I'm 74 days clean now, so. Congratulations, that's great. Yeah, it was fun. It's, it feels good. Um, I feel like moving out to Philadelphia helps too. Even though I take the subway sometimes, and I'll go down, like, I'll look I'll look in the tracks, and there's, like, needles in the tracks. And I'm like, eh. you know? And, it, you know, it does, it, it's a little triggering, you know? But um, a lot of people here, they don't, they don't do that. They don't, they don't do enough. They do heroin. And I don't, I don't do that. So. And also, too, I'm not looking. I bet you, my sister always told me, if you wanted to find it, you'll find it. And that's true. So if I wanted to find it, I probably could, but I don't want to. I've been, I'm going to go to, I'm just going to start going to school now and I have a nice job, but I really would like to keep, and I've been running, I've been writing a lot, you know, and everything's just changing. Everything's different. I feel a lot happier and I feel like light for once. Like I, I did say that I always felt sad, but I don't feel sad anymore. Like, I guess I feel a little bit guilty over things and I feel disappointed about the time I lost and I feel shame. But I don't really feel depressed. I feel hopeful for the most part. That's great. Mm -hmm. It's a long time, 74 days. 
Yeah. I know it's all, it's like almost a hundred. And I was like, wow. I I feel like I've come a long way, but then I know it's only the beginning. Um and that's the thing too, because I haven't like I haven't been tempted yet. What say say what if it happens? What if I meet somebody and then they do that? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be tested because I don't know if I'm really that strong yet to say no. But that's why um, I would like to go back to California maybe to see my, my ex, but I don't think I would because it's so easy to find it there, you know? I was just like, yeah. yeah. So do you have anything else you want to add? Um, no. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, I was kind of just rambling. <laughs> no, it's okay. You weren't rambling. You were telling your story. So let me ask you one last question. Do you have any advice for people watching and listening? I would just say that self-love goes a long way. And you have to believe in yourself. And you have to start talking to yourself as if you are your own best friend or your own lover or your own child. You know, like, there are going to be times... You know, like when you love someone, there can be times when you are mad at them, you're disappointed with them. You know, you're you're confused by what they do, and sometimes you feel the way about yourself too. But that doesn't mean that you have to keep divulging and these things that destroy you. You know, because you, you can come out of it. You really can, even if you think that you won't, and even if you keep trying and then you fail. Because for a whole year, that's how it was. I kept trying and I failed, but. Now looking at 74 days. And there are going to be times too. There's people out there who get to 100 or years and then they, they relapse. But you have to give yourself some uh, compassion and forgiveness. And then forgive yourself now. I have to forgive myself too, still. So I think you should do the same if you need to. And forgive anything that happened even before your addiction. Just like I forgave my stepdad and my mom and stuff. So forgiveness and compassion, self-love, and self-acceptance go a real long way. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. So that seems like a good place to wrap it up. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> Thank you for doing this today. Thank you for having me. No, it was an absolute pleasure. So for everybody watching and listening, if you like what you saw and heard, go below and give us a like. Also subscribe to see when we upload new videos. You can also check us out on Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You can also check out our website, which is www.addicts-anonymous.com. There you find plenty of resources as well as free literature. So that's all I have for today. I hope what you like, you saw, and heard. And until next time.